Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The the title today is Surviving the Storms of Life. Surviving the Storms of Life. Anybody going through any storms in their life right now? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. All right. I think we can all relate to storms, storms in general, right? How many storms have been in the news lately? What just happened in the Philippines, the typhoon? Was it typhoon? Did I get it right? Uh, typhoon in the Philippines, crazy. The tornadoes in the Midwest and what's going on with the tornadoes. We're, we're seeing all this happening. And a lot of people are blaming global warming. Every time there's a storm, we blame global warming but now, if you read history, I'm a history buff, as you know. You read history, you see there are cycles of weather that are much more extreme that are happening now. All throughout history, the, the cycles of weather that happen. In fact, a lot of the deserts that, that are in our country and other countries used to be lakes. And or they find all kinds of aquatic fossils inside these deserts because that's what used to be there. And as the ice, ice is melting because of global warming, as the ice is melting, they're finding tropical you know, creatures and tropical plants underneath the ice. So we know that there are these, these cycles here. But more importantly, if you read the Bible, we see that we aren't at the, the mercy of these natural disasters. Whatever is causing them, whether it's whatever the reason, what's really causing them, from you read from Genesis to Revelation, we see that God has supernatural control over the weather. And we're going to see today that Jesus, as God's Son, has control over the storms of nature and the storms of our lives. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us through many storms. Some pretty cold weather outside, but also many storms in our life. I know a lot of us probably battled just to get here today because of what we've been through recently or at some point in our life. But we know each of us is here for a reason, that your Holy Spirit wants to speak to us through your word. Lord, I pray you would encourage each one of us. Whatever we're going through, you would encourage us this morning. We pray for your mercy and grace to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we've been studying in Mark chapter 4. We've been looking at Jesus' parables. But now Mark moves us into a new section from the parables into, into a new emphasis from the parables to Jesus' power. Parables to the power now. And the section we're going to look at is Jesus Christ's power over nature. Let's pick it up in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Where he says, that day when, re- when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Jesus calms the storm, and he shows that he has power over nature. 
the Sea of Galilee. Anybody ever been on a boat in the Sea of Galilee? I know some of you guys have been. It's what an experience. It's, the pictures really did it justice there. The video did it justice. It's, it's, but when you're riding in the Sea of Galilee, everywhere you look, there's mountains around it. And what happens because of that is the, the way the air comes down onto this, this lake, really, it's really a large lake. They just called it the Sea of Galilee. When it, when it came down on that, crazy winds and this extreme weather can come on just like that. Just immediately, you're, you, it, thing, it can get real crazy. And this was a really bad storm. How do we know that? Because even these experienced fishermen panicked. You know, it wasn't just, just anybody out on a cruise. These were experienced fishermen had seen it all. They panicked. That's how bad the storm was. Once again, the video did it justice. So you see the waves coming there. It was very dangerous. But Jesus proves he is the Son of God by calming the storm, by stopping the winds and the waves. And, and when he does this he proves he's the son of god and he opens their eyes to wait there's more to this jesus guy than the parables and some miracles there's more to them in fact in verse 41 they said who is this who is this guy they were terrified and asked each other who is this even the winds and the waves obey him it, it scared them they were terrified they were more afraid of the of jesus power than they were of the storm and the waves that scared them even more i just watched um, man of steel i finally got around to watching it really really good a lot of Christology and, and a lot of types of Christ and Man of Steel. Very, very good. But the thing about Superman in this movie is when he would save somebody, even when he was a little kid, he'd save somebody from drowning or whatever he did. And as soon as they realized what he did, they were happy to be saved, but then they were like, <gasps> scared of him. Oh, what is this guy? And even when they, he, every, the whole earth realized he was there to save the earth from, from well, I'm not going to give it away, but from something bad. And when he was there to save them, even though they were happy he was there to save them and fight for them, they still were, didn't trust him and were nervous about him. He scared them because they were scared of his power. They didn't understand it and couldn't come to, to grips with it. And that's what happened here with Jesus. They were, they were scared. They were terrified of his power. Wait till we see what happens next week. It really gets scary. You think this is scary. It gets a lot scarier. We start to deal with demons and the demoniacs. And then we move into the sickness and death itself, which is very, very scary. And each lesson is opening their eyes to Jesus Christ. So we're going to see this. They're going to open their eyes to Jesus' true power and his identity. And it's not just for the disciples. It's for us, too. It's to either strengthen our faith or bring us to faith. Help us to understand who Jesus really is and what he really came to do. And now there's a, so that's a piece of it, is, is showing us he's God's son, he has power over nature. But there's another very important lesson for the disciples and for us from this storm event. Very, very important. Jesus not only has control over the storms of nature, but he also has power over the storms of our lives. Of our lives. Other boats. Do you ever notice Mark is the only one who records that there are other boats? All the other Gospels just recorded the disciples. But there was other boats following Jesus. They were in the same storm. They were in the same scary time. But Jesus wasn't in their boat. But as soon as he calmed it, it calmed down for them too. It was for them too. And this, this is all for everybody who was following him. So benefited from his control and the same thing for us this is for us we're also following jesus we're a lot further behind in the boats but we're still following jesus and his power for our life is is still there and let's see what jesus was trying to teach them and us it's pretty wild here first of all notice how do they get into the middle of the lake how they get into that storm jesus took them there 
Jesus took them into the, this horrible storm. It's like taking somebody into the eye of a hurricane, or, or imagine someone taking you to the middle of a, a tornado and you're in the middle of swirling around. That's where Jesus took them. All right? Many of us think that if we're in a storm of life, we've done something wrong. You ever get that? You ever feel like that? Well, I'm in this storm, so maybe God's upset with me because I must have done something wrong. Uh, he's mad at me for something, and, and it could be that Jonah, remember Jonah, he, he was running from God, and, and God did send a big storm, and, and, and that was because of his disobedience. But the disciples ended up in this storm because they were obedient. They were obedient. And God often does the same for us. He leads us into a storm for a positive purpose, as we're going to see. That's a very important perspective to have. Okay, why am I in this storm? Have I been disobedient? Or is God trying to teach me something in there? Either way, there's a lesson for us, right? So, first thing, he takes him in the storm, and then what does Jesus do? He takes a nap. Of course he was sleeping, right? Uh, now, uh, because he's fully God, but he's also fully human, and this guy was worn out. All the ministry, the energy that, that Jesus was putting out, I can relate in ministry, there, there's a lot of... All work is hard, but there's something about ministry when you're really doing ministry, like on a retreat or an all-nighter, right, Dave and Megan? You're on an all-nighter, and you're just giving everything. It's not just physical and emotional, but there's a spiritual giving that you give, and it just, there's, and it is it's exhausting, and you all know you all do ministry. You know what I'm talking about. He was worn out physically, emotionally, and spiritually worn out, just drained. Fully God, fully human, he was exhausted. But I still think some of you are saying, yeah, but come on. Sleeping in a boat in the middle of this storm, this is just hard to believe. I can believe it, and here's why. I experienced something very much like this. I remember I, was, I took a youth group to Florida, and I uh, took a busload of kids to Florida for a trip, and Brad and Diane were, were the youth group. Diane, is Diane in here? Were you, were you on that trip to Florida? Oh, you weren't there, okay. Brad and Diane were my youth group leaders. They were great youth group leaders. Uh, in fact, we're looking for someone to run the youth group. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. But anyway, uh, the, uh, we're, we're go- I took a busload to Florida, and the senior pastor came along because he didn't ever want to miss the fun, you know, the Florida trip and Disneyland, Disney World and all that. So he comes along, and we get down with these busload of kids, and we were staying in this youth center, and it was split into two parts. There was a, we, we had a boy, girls' room and a boys' room, and there was a big door in between, and they had their own bathrooms and showers and all that. And so the first night we get there, and the Senior pastor said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to sleep right at the door so no boys can sneak in and see the girls. Or, Well, that's all that he was worried about at that point. It's a different culture now, right? Yeah, all right. So anyway, the, we were worried about that. So we, we lay down to go to sleep in our sleeping bags. And this guy, the senior pastor, starts to snore. And not just like normal snoring. We were just at the men's retreat. And everybody was snoring. All the guys were snoring except me, I think. But anyway... Uh, Sorry, Gabe. But uh, any, the, uh, he was start, this was horrible. It sounded like a walrus in labor, you know? You say, what does that sound like? Well, I don't know, but it's probably like this, right? And it, and it, was, it was just so loud. I could not sleep. So the next day, I get up. I'm running around Disney World with these kids and just ministering to kids and counseling kids. And, and they come back the next night, and, and he lays down. And I'm like, ah, oh, not tonight. And I moved halfway across. It was a big room. It's probably you know, half the size of this room here. And I moved to the halfway across into the middle of the room. He's like, no, stay here. Help me with the kids. I'm like, no, you snore way too loud. You know, I'm not. So I slept in the middle of the room. 
still could hear this walrus giving birth. It was unbelievable. I could not sleep again. I might have got an hour of sleep. That next day I'm running around, you know, water slides and all that stuff at Florida. And, and the next, that night I'm so tired. So I moved all the way across the whole room. I'm against the wall, far wall and I still cannot sleep. This guy is like, you know, loud. It was crazy, you know, just snoring, snoring. Finally, the next night, I am, this is the fourth day, right? Fourth night, I'm going to lay down. I'm so exhausted, brutally exhausted from ministry, from not sleeping, from just so tired. And, and, I, and I go and I, I didn't care where he was. I just laid at the door to do my job to keep the, you know, the kids from going back and forth in the middle of the night. Laid down and went to sleep. I slept like a baby. No, I slept like a rock. I was out of it completely. I felt great. I woke up in the morning and said, I feel great. And I noticed he's all cranky. I go, well, you know, what's the matter? He's like, he wouldn't even talk to me. He'd give me the cold shoulders. You know what I mean? I go, what's the matter? Why are you so mad at me? He goes, thanks a lot. You're the youth pastor. You're supposed to be doing the work at night, not me. You know, I'm the senior pastor. I go, what are you talking about? You could at least help me last night. After all that happened, I go, what are you talking about? Oh, tell me you didn't hear anything. I go, I didn't hear anything. Not a thing. Not a thing. He goes, well, let me tell you what happened. This is what happened. I'm sleeping, and there was a train about 100 yards away from the building going by, and I, I can't remember exactly now what happened. It either went off the rails or it hit a car on the track, and it was a big accident, big, big, big accident. Fire trucks, police cars, woo, 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 woo. And we have like this big glass front door so we could see out. But woo, woo, woo. It's like going crazy, loud, 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 right? I didn't hear it. Then this big crowd comes to see this accident, and some of the guys notice these girls looking out of the, their, their side of the, the building, looking out, watching the train. They say, girls! And these, these kind of you know, guys come over and you know, start oogling the girls, looking in, trying to see them in their pajamas, right? The girls freak out, start screaming, and it was like a herd. You know how girls panic and run as a herd? You know what I'm talking about? They all go, sorry, ladies. They all go running, screaming through the door, trying to crush through the door. It's like the Who concert, right? Going through the door, and, and they're, they're, they're running over me. Stepping over me into the room, and now you got a whole room of guys and girls mixed together. Perfect storm, screaming, yelling. Then they then they calm down. Then they're having a good time. It took him hours to get them separated, get them in the other room, get the boys and girls calmed down, and back to sleep again. I never heard a thing, not a thing. And he didn't wouldn't believe me for the rest of the trip. He still wouldn't believe me. That's how tired I was. So I believe Jesus could really sleep through this. But all right, I really believe it because I did it. I slept through that storm, right? But I also think that he was testing the disciples here, all right? And 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 he probably was sleeping with one eye open. You ever hear that saying, "Sleeping with one eye open"? You really can do that. I had a neighbor who was in World War II. And uh, he was kind of a celebrity because he slept with one eye open. He learned to do that in the trenches because the guy's coming with a knife going to kill him. He slept with one eye open. When he came home, he still slept with one eye open. It freaked his wife out for a while, but she finally got used to it. And, and he did it because he was so scared of being killed at night that he, it became a habit. He had it the rest of his life. Uh, so I'm sure Jesus, well, I'm guessing maybe Jesus was doing this one eye open sleeping too, getting his REM sleep with one eye, right? But he's testing them. How did they do on their test? If I'm a teacher, I give them a 33%. That's what I give them, and here's why. And that's a failing grade. No matter where you go to school, that's a failing grade. 
the answer they got right was they knew where to go for help. Where did they go? To Jesus. They knew to go to Jesus for help. That was good. One answer, right? Second part of the test, they failed. They waited too long. They waited too long. The boat was almost sinking before they came to Jesus. Why didn't they come earlier? We'll talk about that a little bit later. And the way that they came to him, the timing was bad, and the way they came to him, they came in a panic. They're like these girls screaming over, you know, running into the room, right? You know, they, they came in a panic. They, Don't you care? Don't you care? But isn't that the way we often feel? We feel that way, right? Does God care about me? Doesn't he see what I'm going through? We feel like, don't we care? But Jesus was, doesn't he care? But Jesus is giving them a lesson, not in feelings, but in faith. A lesson in faith. He, then he wakes up, and in the process, he wakes up their faith by what he does. He calms the storm. And then he asks them why they're so afraid. He says, do you still have no faith? The real issue for the disciples was not the waves, was it? It was their lack of faith. They didn't really know Jesus yet. They didn't really know his heavenly father yet. Because if they did, there wouldn't be any problem because they would have trusted him. They were, they were still living by feelings at this point. And feelings are as fickle as the waves, right? Up and down. Up. If, if we live by our feelings, up and down, up and down, we're, we're going to be constantly up and down if we live by our feelings. And that's why Jesus took them into the storm on purpose, to give them a lesson in faith. And we ask God, do you care? And, 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 G- and God is asking us, do you trust me? Well, we're saying, do you care? He's saying, do you trust me? That's what he's asking us. How is God speaking to us today? We face storms every day, don't we? We face storms with our jobs and money. We face storms with our marriages and our families. We face storms with our school and grades and peer pressure. We face storms of temptation, all kinds of temptations that we are battling constantly. What storm are you facing this morning? What storm? And which button are you going to push? Now, this is key. Just like you have a remote control to, you know, see what's on the TV. You've got to push a certain button to get a certain show. It's the same way spiritually. We, we have a button that we have to decide every day when we're facing our storm. We have, a, we have to decide which button we're going to face. And there's, I've got three of them here. There are three F's to help you remember. The first one is feelings. You could push the feeling button. Now, the problem with pushing the feeling button is our emotions have all been damaged by sin, by the fallen world, by all kinds of garbage, things that have happened, traumatic events, whatever it is, our emotions have all been damaged. And some days we feel good and some days we don't. But if we push the emotion button, the feeling button, to get through that storm, we're going to be going up and down with the waves. We're going to be like a fish bobber on the waves, up and down, up and down. Wherever the waves are going, we're going to be bobbing up and down with it. Remember that illustration I've used before, that the train, there's God's word, there's faith and feelings. And and as long as God's word is the the engine, and the next car in line is faith, then the feelings will end up following in time. In time, they'll get healing and they'll follow. But if we put the feeling up front, where's that train going to go? It's going to crash. It has to be God's word that we follow by faith, and we don't let the feelings 
drive us. We try to, we, over time, get our healing and the feelings follow along. So do we push that feeling button? The second button we push is the fear button. The fear button. Now, is it wrong to feel fear? No, God's given us that emotion. If there's a, there's a bear sighting this week in Solberry. Anybody see the bear? Nobody saw the bear? Good. Our kids, we were watching out the window. I had them all panicked about it. But uh, <laughs> makes them behave. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> stop fighting. You're going to go outside with a bear. But uh, whatever works. 13 kids, whatever works. So anyway, the, the fear button, it's okay to experience fear, but it's not okay to let it control us. It's not okay to give in to that fear. Do you know what the most... The, there's many commands in the Bible. The one that's repeated far more than any other command in the Bible is do not fear. We're not supposed to fear because fear is the opposite of faith. We're, we're not supposed to do it. And, and, and if we're not supposed to do it, then God has given us a way out of it. And that is the other button, not feelings, not fear, but the faith button. The faith button is the key button that Jesus is trying to teach them to push. Because Jesus has a, the faith button says, Jesus has a reason for the storm that I'm in. He has a reason, and I'm going to trust him. Because I believe Jesus is in control of every situation, no matter what the world throws at me, no matter what the devil throws at me, no matter what my sinful flesh throws at me, whatever it is, Jesus is still in control. That's what faith the faith button says, and it trusts. And even though my feelings say this and my fear is saying this, God's word says this, and I'm going to follow his word no matter what I feel like, no matter what I'm afraid of. I'm going to hang on to his hand. I'm going to hold on to Jesus' hand. And the key is when we hit these storms, we have to turn to him in prayer, talking to him and, and spending time with him and trying to figure out what he's trying to teach us, but, but also just depending on him in that prayer time. And the key to do that is when the storm first hits. Why do you think the disciples waited so long to wake Jesus up? He was there the whole time. Why didn't he wake him up earlier? Why didn't they wake him up earlier? Didn't think they needed him. They could handle it. They're fishermen. What are you going to wake up a carpenter? We're fishermen. We know how to, we, we got this. Only they didn't have it, did they? And don't we do the same thing though? Constantly, I do it. I'm a pastor. And I still do it every day. We, we don't pray until things really get bad because we can handle it. But when things really get bad, then, then I, now, now I need you, Jesus. Why do we do that? Because we have to get to the end of human strength. The end of human strength. Why is God leaving us in the storm so long? Many times he's just waiting till we get to the end of our rope. The end of our human strength. Of trying to do it somehow on our own. Even a little bit on our own. Instead of depending on him and his strength. And then battling with his strength. Doing it his way. We try to fix things. Our way. We listen to worldly advice. You know, and all kind, everybody's advice instead of turning to God's word and, and godly advice. We listen to the human worldly advice. Or, or we try to get through by self-medicating in some way. You know, getting out the ice cream. Or, or we take a pill. Or we, or we take a drink. Or we, anything that would get us through that time. And then we, then we get mad at God because he's not fixing it faster. When he's trying to fix us all the time, right? And then we get mad at God. And finally we crash. And then when we finally crash, what do we do? We surrender. We say, Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. Second 
Corinthians 1, 8 and 9, Paul talks about this process. It's a really good verse. Where he says in 2 Corinthians 1, 8, he says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. Now get this. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Why does God put us under that pressure? To teach us not to rely on ourselves, but on God, who has the power. Do we see our faith growing through these storms? It's amazing to watch what's happening with Mark and Vanessa in the Philippines and, and watching their faith and how they just keep growing and their people keep growing. And It's wild to read the reports and see what they're doing. They went through a war, displaced out of all their homes. They went through, right after they get back to the homes, then there was a flood, or flooded out of their homes, right? And then this week, we just got a, the prayer team's been praying for Vanessa. She finds out she has emergency surgery. She's bleeding profusely. Turns out she has a myoma. And they had to do emergency surgery. And surgery, there's not like surgery here, right? Uh, she went through a lot to, for this. And, uh, we're, and, but, and now we're praying that it's benign. We're hoping it's benign and praying for that. But it's amazing to see all, think about one of those things. What would one of those things do to most of us? We crash, right? Jumping out of the boat. But they're growing. They just keep growing spiritually. And, and seeing people come to Christ. It's, that, that's, that's what happens. And are we growing that way? It's very important that, that we, we mature in our faith. It's very, very important. Because as we mature, we're going to help other people go through their storms. And, which are meant to help them grow spiritually and develop faith or even come to faith. Maybe what God's using to bring them to Christ. Or if they've already come to Christ, to grow them in Christ. And as we mature, we're able to help others through the storms of life. Instead of us freaking out, we're helping other people through it. We're going uh, with the kids to Niagara Falls. We're going to go see the falls while we're at the farm this time. Some of the little ones haven't seen it. We usually like to go when we go on the Maid of the Mist. We can't this time. It's closed down. There's already ice on Niagara River. But, but I, we, the fun part about going on the Maid of the Mist, anybody ever been on the Maid of the Mist? You ride it right up to the bottom, and you go right up to the bottom of the falls, and it's coming down, and it's really scary. And the wild thing is the little ones who are first seeing it, they all freak out. They're panicked. They're scared. They're going to die. The, the middles in our family, the middle-aged ones, you know, we have littles and middles and then bigs. So the, the middles are comforting them. It's okay. They're holding on. It's okay. It's going to be okay. We'll all be in heaven or something like that. They're trying to calm them down. But the bigs, the bigs are just enjoying it. They're laughing at the little ones crying and they think it's fun and they're enjoying it and, and they're, they're, they're laughing at everybody's fear. Because you know what? Because they trust. They know dad won't bring them on a someplace that's really dangerous when mom's there. And uh, they also... <laughs> Kim won't let me go on made a mess about her there. But anyway, and they've been on this ride before. 
They've been on this ride before. They've already run up and grabbed my hand and held on tight and, and, and cried and been hugged. And, and they know the boat's going to get back again. They, they, they've seen it. They've experienced it. They know the boat will get back again. That's why they're not afraid. They've been through it. They, used, they cried too, but now they're laughing about it. It's a whole different perspective. And that's what ma- mature faith realizes. Mature faith realizes God never promised me a smooth ride. He just promised I'd reach my destination, which is his destination for my life. That's what mature faith realizes. Which button are we going to push today? Think of your storm. I know every one of you is facing something. What storm are we going to push this week? Will it be feelings, fear, or faith? Every time you use your remote control, think about that. Feelings, fear, or faith. Will we go to Jesus? Will we grow in our faith? Or will we give up? A lot of people abandon ship. A lot of people jump out of the boat when they go through this storm. The key is 90% of the battle is staying in the boat. Staying close to Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you need to get into Jesus Christ's boat. Because we're all, whether you're a Christian or not, we're still going through the storms. The only question is, will you be in the boat with Jesus? Will you have God's help to get through that? Because Jesus has the power to bring us through these storms, but also the the ultimate storm, which is death. He has the power to save us from judgment. And give us life now and forever if we'll put our faith in him. That's why he died on the cross in our place. To take our sin, to take our judgment upon himself. So that we could be forgiven and have a brand new life in Jesus Christ. Have you ever taken that step of faith? Let's pray. As we go through this time of prayer. Maybe here today and you've never put your faith. In Jesus Christ, you're still trying to steer your own boat and not getting anywhere because it never will go somewhere. Only Jesus can bring us through this life and bring us to the next life of eternal life. Only Jesus can do it. And he proved it by his power. Power over storms, power over sickness, power over death, power over demons and Satan. He proved he was the son of God. And what he said can be trusted. When he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Will you put your faith in Jesus today? Will you get into the boat called Jesus Christ? Say, God, I... I believe Jesus came and died for me to pay for my sin, to take my judgment on himself. I believe that. I put my faith in your son, Jesus. I give my life to him. I repent of all that I've done wrong ever have done will do I repent and ask you to forgive me I put my faith in Jesus Christ if you've prayed that prayer and given your heart to Jesus your life to Jesus 
you've now entered into his boat and he's going to take you on an adventure there's going to be storms there's going to be smooth sailing there's going to be rapids there's going to be water slides there's going to be all kinds of things but you'll always have Jesus to turn to at any time. You can talk to him and, and he will talk to you and you have his word to guide you in this walk. I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Tell me, tell somebody that you've prayed that prayer and given your life to him so that we can encourage you in your new faith. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us this morning. Maybe you came in today feeling like God doesn't care. Maybe you've given into fear. Maybe we've been letting our feelings take us off the path of faith. Let's just take a few moments to pray and talk to God and do business with him and push the faith button. However God's talking to each one of us, to push that faith button and say, God, I don't care what happens, what I'm going through, what I'm being tempted with, what I'm being discouraged by. I'm going to look to your word and I'm going to keep my faith in you. I'm going to believe you and hang on to your hand because I do know you care. I know you love me. It's impossible to read your word without knowing you love me. Father, it's hard because we read your word and we hear your word, but we walk out, we get in the car, and we're hit with so many storms and stress. I pray that your Holy Spirit would help each of us to keep pushing the faith button, no matter what we face, and to grow in our relationship with you through our faith, and to know you in a way we've never known you before. And because of that, to know joy and peace and purpose in our lives. I pray that for each one of us in Jesus' name.